meaty content. Ew. <laughs> I don't like that. <laughs> Uh, it's taken out of context but i literally had to shut my camera off because i was laughing i was laughing so hard i had to shut my camera off (laughs) hello everyone and welcome to hardcore football uh it's phil baki i'm joined as always by my co-host mika brell mika uh, the weather outside is frightful. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh my goodness. But the, the football is kind of delightful. Uh, <laughs> yeah, man. In Texas, we're going through like a deep freeze type situation. Um, it snowed yesterday, like a good four or five inches, maybe. Damn. I mean, it all kind of melted off today, but I still took it upon myself to just work remotely. Cause I was like, yeah, I don't really want to drive my 45 minute commute. <laughs> so I've been, been staying in trying to keep warm. Uh, but, but up there I hear it's snowing as well, which is much more par for the course for Ohio. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think it's expected <laughs> here. I, uh, l- like I was telling you before we started, I think like I'm a little uplifted by the fact that it also snowed in El Paso. So I don't feel like I'm, you know, suffering like needlessly. It's like, I'd also be, it would also be snowing if I was in El Paso. Um, but yeah, so freaking cold. So yeah. What's a, I mean, what's, what's cold? Like what's it hitting down there? Earlier when I walked to my dog, it was like 30 degrees. Damn. Tonight, last night was really cold. Like it got into the teens, but like tomorrow it should be like, you know, normal El Paso winter, like kind of balmy. <laughs> right. <laughs> it never lasts. No, nah, no. Nah. Yeah. Here it's here. It's been, it's been pretty cold, but the it's in the teens right now, which is like colder than it has been. Um, yeah. yeah, it's been like in the twenties pretty consistently, but, but yeah, we, uh, I guess, um, well, for those of you finding the pod for the first time, um, we're available to to listen to pretty much anywhere you find podcasts. Um, I know I listen on Spotify. I think Mika, you've you've transitioned to Spotify um, in recent times. Yeah, I use Spotify or Pocket Cast. Like I go back and forth. Nice. So, but Spotify is more on brand. To be fair. <laughs> and for and for the iPhone users out there, Apple Podcasts always an option. Um, but uh, but yeah, I, I like Spotify's. It, it's become pretty clean in its yeah. way. But um, but you guys can follow, subscribe, whatever whatever the deal is. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, which I think is the one that allows you to rate and review, um, if you guys can and you enjoy the podcast, then then please uh, leave a, a nice rating on there, a nice little blurb and. We, uh, we do read them, um, and we, we always enjoy when we get a new review. It's really cool um, to hear that people enjoy what we're doing. Definitely, definitely. I check, I check pretty regularly, <laughs> as embarrassing as that is. Uh, my ego. <laughs> the, <laughs> the, only, uh, the only other thing we've got going on is our logo, which was produced by the fantastic Mike Pendleton, a.k.a. Fat 7 Deuce on Twitter, um, has been turned into stickers, which I'm showing on camera, which isn't of benefit to any of you. Um, 
but they're they so awesome. Nice. They're really cool. Yeah. Uh, sticker mule, like die cut stickers. They're really like high quality and the logo is fire. Like I absolutely love what Mike did for us. So, um, we're doing a thing and you'll see it on our Twitter. If you go there at HXC football, um, where we're giving these away, um, free 99 y'all for free. All you I'm gotta not do trying to touch your stimmy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All you gotta do is follow us on Twitter and send us a screenshot, uh, that you're subscribed to the podcast on whichever app you listen on. And we will get one out to you. So, to those of you that have already done that, thank you. And yours will be in the mail shortly. Um, to those that haven't, one can be yours uh, quite easily. For sure. They are very nice, I, like, to be fair. I mean, the logo is amazing. So yeah, just sli- slide in the DMs. We're yep. not going to steal your identity if that's what you're worried about. Like, yeah. <laughs> we you can promise. easily figure out who we are. Like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we we aren't we aren't hiding. Uh my real name is on my Twitter. So, um, anyways, (laughs) um, yeah, so that's pretty much it for the, for the admin side. I don't know. Is there anything, anything else going on out there in the Twitter sphere? I think that's it guys. Just, you know, get us for the stickers and, and follow rate review. All that covered it, Phil. We've, uh, we've got a big episode today and I mean, we're going to, as we always do, cover most of what went on in Europe. But the big bombshell um, is causing us to start in Germany. And Monday morning is not really the time for, for news like this to drop in the U.S. for Mika. Um, but <laughs> Marco Rosa, it was announced, will be leaving Borussia Mönchengladbach and heading to their Borussia rivals Dortmund um this summer in the off season so at the end of the season Marco Rosa uh headed to uh Bave Ba so what's Mika I'm, I I want to give you some space here I want to give you room um after 72 well it was announced after 72 matches in charge obviously he'll have some more um before he heads over there but uh but Marco Rosa uh out and and in at Dortmund. Well, look, somebody's actually said how I'm feeling better than I probably could. So I'm just going to put that. I'm just going to let us listen to that real quick. <laughs> I am having a very bad day. <laughs> I'm in no mood. This today is one of the worst days that I've had in a long time. I'm not in the mood to play with anybody. So, yeah. Thank you, Steven. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining, Steven. Appreciate that. Um, Thank you very much. Yeah, no, that's all he- we could afford for, for Stephen A. Smith. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think, we, I think us foals knew it was coming. Um, the rumors have been swirling for quite a while now um, about Makahosa joining Bruce Dortmund and, and the clubs made it official, of course, today. Um, uh, I mean, I have so many thoughts. <laughs> Obviously, I think the timing of the announcement is interesting, uh, shall we say, given the club's 
recent form and the upcoming Champions League fixture against Manchester City, a, a crucial knockout tie um, with, you know, probably the most dominant team on in Europe right now. So um, that's not great. Uh, you know, I personally, I'm disappointed um, because I think I thought he'd give us at least one or two more seasons. Um, and it really felt like he was building something with Gladbach, uh, especially having gotten, the you know, the club back into Champions League. Um, while playing really great football. Um, but, you know, having said that, I think that's exactly why Dortmund have been so keen on getting him in is, I mean, he plays exactly the way you'd expect Dortmund to play, very direct football, attacking football, you know, two, three passes and you're already on goal, bearing down on goal, and, and Dortmund have certainly, I think, missed that, I guess, that that intensity. I mean, Lucien Favre, he's a great coach, obviously, he, you know, Kodasita Gladbach and was excellent for us. But mm-hmm. I think Marco Hosa really fits that Dortmund kind of model, I guess you could say. I mean, of course, having come through the Red Bull system too, I mean, that that football is very transferable to Dortmund and what they're trying to do. And he's great with young players, great with the techie players, which they have plenty of. So mm-hmm. it makes sense. Um, but, I mean, when you look at our season so far, Gladbach's season so far, it's been very inconsistent. Um, some of the team selection that Marco has been making have been extremely sus. Um, <laughs> the selection against Köln and the ultimate loss in the derby were bo- both shocking. Um, and, and, you know, then you have this coming out that he's leaving officially. I mean, it's hard not to look at everything with hindsight and scrutinize it that much more. Uh, so yeah, it's, uh. I don't know. Um, and I, I think, and I wonder too if there will be any cynicism going forward among football fans in general about Red Bull and, and kind of the coaches they churn out because they are not loyal. Yeah. To be fair, <laughs> they, these are very uh, forward thinking, um, you know, ambitious coaches, which is, you know, that's, yeah. that's fine. You know, that's fine. But it's, yeah. perhaps it's something to consider. These homes um, ain't loyal. <laughs> These <laughs> these bulls ain't loyal. Like <laughs> I, uh, I, I, I do think it plays a part because Marco Rosa being from Leipzig, I feel like yeah. it has to play some sort of you know it has to play on his mind a little bit in that he doesn't really care like at the at the root of it as a Leipziger like doesn't really care about these teams from the Northwest like. Mm. like thinking practically, like I'm sure he obviously cares a lot about Munchen Gladbach because he's spent time there and it's given sure. him a platform. Um, well, he doesn't have roots. You're saying, yeah. Like yeah. it's not like Klopp and Mainz where he, you know, spent a career there as a player and then, you know, became the manager. It's like he was, you know, connected in, in pretty much every way to that club. Right. Um, Whereas, yeah, Marco Rosa, like he, he doesn't really have like a massive connection with these like big clubs from the Northwest. So, um, being an East German himself. Um, so it's, it's a little interesting. I think too, like Germany has a little bit less and, and maybe this is part of the next conversation too, but Germany has a little bit less, uh, 
aversion to these sorts of changes it seems like i think yeah i think fans feel pretty strongly about it but it happens with enough regularity that it feels like maybe german football is a little numbed to these sorts of switches where you know the idea of a of a manager going from manchester city to manchester united or vice versa would be like completely unheard of um it's not that weird in, in Germany and happens kind of regularly. Yeah. Both with like managerial hires and transfers as we have seen yeah. as well. Um, yeah. Perhaps I am looking at it in with a, the kind of English football lens over my eyes perhaps. <laughs> um, but yeah, in Germany, it's not supposed culturally, not as weird. Um, it's just it's it's disappointing. I really like Makahosa. I think mm-hmm. that his he plays great football. Um he's a he's easy to support. He's very likable, but um Sure. Uh yeah, it's Dortmund have a good coach on their hands. I just don't know that he will I mean, he'll just be another just another <laughs> coach for Borussia Dortmund. I mean, they are Right. Like any big club, like any massive club, really, they, they hire and fire pretty frequently. So yeah, I, I think it'll do well, but I, I don't know if what they're going to have is something special. If that's what they want, I don't even know. But I just I don't see that being like a long term thing. Um, but hey, that's football. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Ed and Terzic, uh, his his cameo as Dortmund boss will end uh, at the end of the season. And uh, obviously, Mönchengladbach now have a vacancy to plan for. Mm. And the question is, who will occupy it? Um, a few names tossed around. Uh, the Guardian pointed to actually another Red Bull Salzburg manager, Jesse Marsh, the American um, Florian Kofelt from Bremen and Adi Hutter of, of Frankfurt were also, were also thrown around, um, as potential replacements. What do you, what do you think about, about the replacement for Marco Rosa? Yeah, I've, I've heard those names thrown around too. I think again, like what I just said about Red Bull, I don't know that I'm ready for like <laughs> Jesse Marsh. He's a, he's a good coach. I mean, don't get me wrong, doing really good things with, with Salzburg. Um, and obviously was successful in New York Red Bulls as well. And I, I mean, it would be great to see an American taking on a big job like that. I mean, I am American. That would be cool. Um, yeah. But I am, I think cause it's so new, I am a little feeling a little cynical right now about yeah anyone from the Red Bull system coming in. <laughs> <laughs> um, the one thing I will say that I think is a positive that Gladbach fans could take from this is Max Ebel is one of the best football executives in Germany, maybe even in Europe. And he's a great custodian of the club. And I think whatever decision he makes next will, will be the right one for the long-term yeah. uh, success of Borussia Mönchengladbach. So that's something that I kind of take comfort in. I guess he runs the club very well and I'm sure he'll, he'll pick a suitable replacement. Just don't bring back Dieter Hecking and I'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> I think, uh, it's interesting because the announcement I think is calculated from, from a Like, I think it's his decision uh, ultimately that, that this news broke. Um, and uh, 
Yeah. Well, between I think between he, a derby loss and probably getting slapped by City, yeah. Yeah, and <laughs> I think pretty. I think he has. I think he probably has the the replacement already lined up. Like, mm. um, I think I think he'll have planned for this. Um, with the amount of rumors that were out there, I'm sure that this was decided. You know, this wasn't just decided. I'm sure this was was in the works. So, um. I like to think that he probably has a plan. Um, yeah. The the name I threw out there for a replacement, Giuseppe Mater, or sorry, not Giuseppe, Jesus. Uh, that was like mildly racist against Italians. Um, <laughs> As an Italian, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> my wife's Italian. It's there you it, go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> my God. Uh, Pellegrino Matarazzo uh, from. Uh, Stuttgart, the another American, um, mm. technically, um, I would love to see what he could do with some, with some resources, um, mm. and with the pieces they have in place at, at Mönchengladbach, given what he's doing at Stuttgart. I would really entertain that one. I would enjoy that one. I think he's obviously he's done great things at Stuttgart. I think his, his origin story is very interesting too. Um, mm-hmm. American, but with those European roots and and speaks German like perfectly. Right. <laughs> so, um, I think that he'd be a he'd be a really interesting shout. Um, but on it would be pretty brutal for Stuttgart, I think. But uh, I liked <laughs> that shout, Phil. So. And could he take Womangatuka with him as well? Um. Oh, I will completely <laughs> forget about Jose if that happens. <laughs> if if Jose can take fucking Hannes Wolf with him, who's been, <laughs> I th- yeah, I think we have to pay like eleven million for him or something. Which I was keen on the signing, but he's, it's just not worked out. <laughs> yeah the the other big news in Germany was that Deo uh, Deo Op- Upamecano is joining uh, Bayern Munich from RB Leipzig big center back signing. And I mean, one of the hottest commodities, if we're being honest in Europe, in terms of young center backs and Bayern are prizing him away for like 42 million euros. Yeah. I think Bayern are paying the release clause. So Leipzig could have fleeced Arsenal for 60 million last summer, but no, just give them to your direct league rival for the release clause. That's fine. Um, Again, like another one of those like mid-season announcements that has football Twitter being like, what? Right. <laughs> but um, Bayern, Dortmund, all of those clubs are very like well-known for getting their business done early. And this is obviously a, a huge addition to Bayern. Um, I mean, Upamecano is everything you want in a, you know, a modern center half. Uh, the size, the speed, ability on the ball. Um Sometimes he's still young, so sometimes he does drop stinkers where he'll just be bad yeah. <laughs> inexplicably. But uh, he's a very good player, and um, I mean, there's plenty of French speakers at Bayern, so I'm sure he'll settle nicely. The only thing I'm wondering about, um, and maybe I'm just not thinking of Bayern's depth chart in my head, but I just wonder who's going to be that that uh, senior center back to pair with him. Like, is it going to be Sula? Because I think David Alaba is surely leaving. Uh, yeah. Now with this announcement, so is it like Sula Pamecano, Sula Hernandez? I I don't know. I mean, either way, those are insane options, but right. just something that I think is uh interesting. So, 
Yeah, the pairing is always is always interesting um, when you come down because center backs really do play as a pair. You know, there's not many positions in in football where you're like, he's very good, but who will play next to him? You know, there's not right. <laughs> there's not a lot of that uh, except at center back. It's it's obviously hugely important, um, and uh, I think in Uba Makano's case, I think the interesting thing about going to Byron is the expectation that he'll instantly improve that defense. Um, and there, there is a need, uh, at by, you know, as, as good as they have been, um, despite, you know, a few ups and downs, um, the one weak spot is, is in defense. Um, so he's he uh, there's going to be a lot of expectation on his shoulders to show up to the world champions and immediately improve their back line. Right, yeah, exactly. It's uh I mean, I think he's up for it, but again, he's a young player, so Yeah. Perhaps we need to just I mean, there's no tempering our expectations with Bayern Munich, but we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> the the one thing that we talked about midweek was about this type of announcement with the Rosa news, with the Ubamakano news can bring some criticism onto the Bundesliga for being kind of like tin pot a little bit where it's like mm. Dortmund and Bayern make these big announcements that would like completely rock, you know, any club. Um, and they do it all the time. Like, these sorts of mid midseason announcements are are kind of a constant thing in Germany. Is the criticism like warranted, or is it just like a German thing that other country like they just don't really have the same kind of like tempo or like feel to their news? Is it just something that's unique to Germany that we just kind of need to like accept, or is it bad? I. I think it is probably something, well, I mean, it is something pretty unique to Germany. Um, so in that sense, I think it's kind of harsh when people say, you know, I've been seeing people on Twitter, football Twitter say like, oh, you expect me to take the Bundesliga seriously when they're doing this? Like Farmers League. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I, I think it might just be cultural. Like it just is like ruthless business efficiency. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, but on the other hand, I can understand the criticism because it seems like it's always the same clubs doing these things, uh, namely Bayern Munich, Borussia Dortmund. Right. You know, pr pretty much them too. Like I, I can't think of, I'm sure there are others that I'm not thinking of other instances where like a, a major announcement was made by a German club. That's like, would be completely scandalous in England or Spain, but yeah. That might be the one thing where it's like, yeah, that's kind of strange. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it it's one of those things where I think some of these clubs like they just can't really they can't really stand up to the might of of Bayern and and Dortmund. I think, you know, even Dortmund under under pressure from Bayern like yeah. you know, between Lewandowski and and Goethe like were announcing you know the the transfer of Mario Goetze was announced like the night before the Champions League final like I, I, I mean it 
it can get pretty brutal. Um, Jeez, I forgot so, about that. Yeah. Um, now that I think was like pure shithousery from Bayern, but yeah. Um, in these cases, I think it is simply like when they get a deal over the line, some of these clubs are very eager to get, to get kind of positive news out there. And I think in this case, Bayern were eager to show that, Hey, we're like taking this, def- these defensive like problems seriously. And I think it takes a little bit of heat off the board when they're like, Hey, we have a big center back signing incoming in the summer. So just like shut up about our defense for the yeah. time being, like yeah. it'll be better eventually. Like um, noted. We, yeah, we know. exactly. Like we've, we've done something about it. Um, but I think it is, you know, when clubs are kind of more beholden to their fans as well, then maybe there's more pressure to make announcements like this where Dortmund fans, obviously pretty upset about this run of results. Um, mm. So Dortmund's board, you know, Dortmund's kind of hierarchy can point to, Hey, we've got a new manager coming in. So like the rest of this season is kind of a wash anyways. Yeah. You know what I think will be very uh, instructive, shall we say, is if, if RB Leipzig ever get to heights where they're doing this to other German clubs, then we'll see, if attitudes change, then I think that would right. really show us, is it a German thing or is it a Bayern Dortmund thing? Cause I right. think if Leipzig did it, then it would be a scandal um, <laughs> for various reasons. So, yeah, no, that's a fair point. Um, but speaking of Dortmund though, we had a question like last week or midweek, I get, or last weekend, whenever yeah. it was, um, from at Dr. Cesus, uh, he said, is it time for Dortmund to sell Royce to try and catch up to Bayern? This was an interesting one. I think, well, I think the questions are actually two questions for me anyway, because I think selling Royce uh, in and of itself doesn't get you caught up with Bayern necessarily. Right. Um, I think probably Dortmund should think about moving on from Royce. And I know that's perhaps that's blasphemy to some of the black and yellow fans, but I mean, the guy is extremely injury prone and, you know, if he's not giving you availability on the pitch, then he should be giving you some leadership in the dressing room. And I don't think that's going on either. Um, I think that some of the senior figures at Dortmund are lacking. I mean, look at, yeah. you know, look at this run. Um, these, this is a kind of run where the senior pros should be pulling the team together and saying, we got to arrest this slide. This is ridiculous. And I'm not saying they're not doing that, but it's just like, we, we don't know, you know? Um, So yeah, maybe it is time for Dortmund to not just Royce, but a lot of those players that maybe are just getting on a bit or just aren't good enough. Delaney, Dahoud, um, players like that. I mean, Dahoud's maybe just deaf, but like, yeah, those kind of players, Hummels even, Mm -hmm. um, maybe Dortmund just need to really turn over a new leaf with those ones. Cause they've got the young talents, but you have to balance that out with quality season pros and sure. Royce and them really do start to feel like they're from a, another era of Dortmund. If that makes any sense. Um, yeah. I don't know that it catches them up to Byron, but they probably should think about moving on from some of them. Yeah. I, I, th- I still think about all of the links to between uh, Liverpool and Royce it was like a yearly thing and it was a joke like almost on Liverpool Twitter of sign Royce like sign yeah. Royce and um it happened for a long time I think 
the time to sell him like for any sort of significant outlay is gone. Um, I don't, I don't think he really had, I don't think he's retained much value. If that makes sense. Like not to say he's not a great player on his day, but he's just, yeah. Like you said, he's not available enough to, to really make a difference. um, Unfortunately, because I really think highly of him as a player. He's one of my favorite players, like in the German setup, um, as he was coming up through Dortmund and him and him and Goethe were just like absolutely electrifying. Um, it's wild to think about him, you know, him, Goethe and Lewandowski, you know, firing Dortmund to a champions league final, like just a yeah. crazy side two titles as well. Um, but you know, it's, uh, yeah, his, his best days, unfortunately, I think are, are behind him and, and Dortmund, you know, utilized him rather than recouping any sort of value from him. Yeah. Yeah. I think realistically he'll probably retire there. I mean, he's extremely loyal and, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I agree. Just think probably they should sell, but if that's actually a reality, I I doubt. (laughs) Well, we spoke about Bayern a little bit with the Upamecano transfer and the world champions newly crowned uh, returned from Qatar to the cold reality of uh, (laughs) of Bavaria in February Um, in the Allianz in the snow, a three, three draw with Armenia Bielefeld um, and a thrilling one uh, that featured some great play from both sides and Bielefeld at one point led three, one, Bayern storm back for the draw, but uh, a great point for Bielefeld on the road in Munich and just a great game overall. Yeah, yeah. This is what you watch the Bundesliga for, these kind of, these potential upsets. I really wish I mean, Bielefeld could have held on for all three points on the road. That would have been absolutely sensational. But either way, <laughs> I mean, without trying to sound too patronizing, I thought that they showed a lot of spirit, a lot of fight. Um, this is obviously... To be fair, uh, a rotated Bayern side, having just come back from winning the Club World Cup and their freaking sixth trophy yeah. um, of the year. So, um, but yeah, I mean, Bayern just, they just have more quality. I mean, Tolisso comes on and scores. Um, yeah, and, the, you know, they just answer two back. And I think it's still a massive point. And, and really, with the way that Hertha Berlin is going, maybe Bielefeld can stay up. So yeah. we'll see. I think they're the highest of the, the relegation spots right now. So Yeah. Yeah, they're in the playoff spot at the moment. And uh, level on points with Hertha. So they're, wow. like, they have a, a, a decent shot, um, yeah, with the way that, that Hertha is going. Um, I want to give a shout out to, to Michelle Vlap who just joined uh, Arminia Bielefeld on loan from Anderlecht in the Belgian pro league hey. now available on ESPN plus <laughs> <laughs> if you want to, if you want to dive into that, but um, he, I have no idea why Uvi Neuhaus and the Bielefeld like setup identified this particular player um, because in Belgium this year, he had one goal in 11 appearances. Um, mm. he just recently saw, joined Bielefeld on loan and scores a lovely goal for, 
for Bielefeld in in Munich um, on the turn, like received it with his right foot, turns and curls it with his left uh, for the opener, and then uh, assists the second from the corner. So automatically adding production like right out right off the bat. But whatever they saw in him, it I will say he's Dutch. And we know Dutch strikers in the Bundesliga can absolutely slab a la Valveghorst. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Wow. I didn't I didn't know that. I didn't know he had just come from from Antelect. Um shout out that's that's a shout out to the advanced analytics department or something yeah. at Bielefeld, because that that's extremely random. <laughs> but good for him. His XG must have been off the chain. Like Yeah, they're like, he's just <laughs> extremely unlucky. Let's let's just bet on it. Yeah. Um, so a good return for them and Bielefeld in like in an alternate universe, uh, there, they had an offside flag go up against them for a toenail, um, on, uh, on Klaus that would have led to a fourth goal. And not to say that Bayern might not have brought it back and equalized four, four in that instance, but, um, Bielefeld did have a fourth goal in the back of the net, um, but chalked off for a very marginal offside uh, after a VAR review. Yeah, you hate to see it. But hey, maybe just the psychology behind getting a point on the road to Bayern will help the rest of their season. Who knows? Yeah. Well, and it so in the in the terms of the Bundesliga like scene right now, obviously Bayern's still top, but them dropping points against Bielefeld means RB Leipzig's win against uh, Augsburg at the weekend 2 one um, brought them into within striking distance. Now only five points back. Um, yeah. So trimming that lead ever so slightly um, in in Kunku uh, got what proved to be the winning goal for Leipzig at the weekend and Leipzig's two main chasers uh, Dortmund and Leverkusen both were involved in two, two draws, um, Dortmund against Hoffenheim, um, with, which it took a late Holland equalizer to, to salvage that point for Dortmund and, uh, Leverkusen also needed, well, they had a two nil lead in the 84th minute and conceded two late goals to Mainz, um, to, uh, to throw away the three points. Leverkusen beating themselves <laughs> or drawing themselves, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, Werder and Freiburg uh, played to a nil, nil draw Stuttgart and Hertha play drew one, one. And that was Hertha's first uh, non loss in like six games, I think. So um, Schalke and Union Berlin played to a nil-nil draw. Uh, Wolfsburg and Mönchengladbach played to a nil-nil draw, which was disappointing given the players on on view in that one. Yeah, it was. They they canceled each other out. I only got to see like part like half of the second half, but um, yeah, it just wasn't a whole lot of quality on display on the day. And actually, I think Wolfsburg were the better side, so I'll take the point. To be fair. <laughs> Uh, Eintracht Frankfurt uh, predictably got a win against Köln, um, two nil. Andre Silva scored again. He's insane. He's um, automatic right now. And that was uh, Eintracht's fourth win uh, on the spin, and they're up to third and level with Wolfsburg um, 
on points um, ahead of them by a goal and goal difference. And yeah, five points back of Leipzig now. Um, so, you know, Leverkusen and Dortmund who were expected to be up in the chasing pack uh, now sitting outside the top four and Frankfurt and Wolfsburg uh, third and fourth behind uh, Bayern and Leipzig. Uh, Gladbach in seventh, Freiburg eighth, Union ninth and Stuttgart in 10th. And uh, as we said earlier with the relegation places, Köln now uh, three points clear of Hertha and Armenia who are tied on 18. Hertha is, has a pretty significant lead in goal difference to be outside of that playoff relegation playoff spot um, that Armenia is in. And then Mainz and Schalke, um, you know, occupying those two bottom spots, but Mainz only four points back of Hertha and, and Armenia. So certainly not over for Mainz. Uh, it might be over for Schalke though. Nine points adrift of safety. Yeah. I mean, the bright spot has been Matthew Hoppe, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I think they're doomed still. In fairness to Armenia has a game in hand, so they could mm. go above Hertha, um, but their game in hand is against Werder Bremen. So if Hertha get relegated, so many fucking heads will roll. Like, <laughs> Oh my goodness. That'll be, yeah, that'd be madness. Um, but yeah, that's the state of the Bundesliga right now. Um, kind of a interesting weekend in that there were a lot of stalemates, but at the top Leipzig able to grab some valuable points um, or what turned out to be very valuable points given Bayern's slip against, against Armenia. Yeah. Leipzig are banging form right now as they go to, or do they go to Anfield first? Well, they go to Budapest. Oh, Budapest. Yeah, right. That's right. We're having like a champions league in like Rome and Greece and yeah. Hungary. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, either way, they're, they're really informed against a struggling Liverpool. So that'll be interesting. Yeah. Uh, which I guess we'll talk some premier league next after a quick break. Welcome back, everyone. It's the Premier League uh, next, Mika. And, and well, I guess you're going to make me face facts uh, and and talk about whatever the <laughs> whatever went down on, on Saturday. Yeah. Every week now, Phil. Liverpool. <laughs> What's going on? So Le- Leicester 3, Liverpool 1. Yeah. Let's, let's crack into it. We have to. All right. Okay. So... <laughs> Here's the thing. This match is so bizarre because for exactly 77 minutes and whatever, you know, 40 seconds, this was a great, I would say, Liverpool performance. Like, not just even good. Like, it was a fantastic performance in that they really limited like 
they limited Lester's chances. They played them on, they played them on the break. Obviously Vardy Vardy did have some, some chances in the first half. I'll acknowledge for sure. Um, but they did what they could to kind of limit the effectiveness of on the counter. They really played, did well playing, like playing him offside. I think there were a couple of his chances that he missed that would have been called back for offside. Like if they were reviewed, um, and Liverpool actually created a decent amount like throughout this game. And I think in particular, um, Roberto Firmino was, was really good, um, and creates the goal. It's a, it's a, just a goddamn, if there was a, so we talk about shot and tours, uh, as goals that <laughs> like great goals that are forgotten in a loss. Yeah. Bobby had a shot and assist, which is, a. <laughs> amazing assist that will be forgotten because of the nature of this defeat. It was Um, excellent. Yeah. To be fair. But the crazy thing about this game is that the, the goal that they concede in the 78th minute, James Madison scores direct from a free kick. Um, That moment, and the review that followed where I think a lot of people in real time were thinking Amarty was offside. He was a judge to be onside. I'm not going to like dive into the, whatever the VAR of it all, because I really don't think he's on. Um, I, I think they, I think they literally messed up like where Firmino's boot is. Um, anyways, I won't get that much into it, but I think that moment with the state mentally of this Liverpool team absolutely shattered them. Like, and I think it shows in the nature of the goals that were conceded after like that goal, any team could concede a goal like that where the ball's driven in, you know, no one's wanting to like get a deflection on it or anything like that. That free kick Madison just kind of puts it in the mixer and, and it ends up finding its way through could happen to anyone last season. Liverpool would have bounced back from that and probably tried to find the winner and probably would have, you know what I mean? Mm. Instead, like where this Liverpool team is at is at mentally, it absolutely shattered their confidence to the point where Allison's makes a completely reckless decision um, in the, in the interest of, you know, keeping Lester from getting in behind Um and despite the fact that Ozan Kabak has the, has the ball completely covered, wipes him out. Like Allison just wipes him out, um, tap in for Jamie Vardy. And then the third goal is again, just, uh, um, just, uh, uh, I mean, getting caught up the field and, and completely just not, uh, dealing with a situation with Harvey Barnes. So I think the, ultimately what it's about though, is, the margins of this game are already razor thin at the level that it, that it's played at. Um, And I think this season they're even thinner in that the teams who normally could be resilient against an equalizer like that. uh, This Liverpool team is, is currently not even really able to withstand like that sort of setback. Um, and they almost, they seem to be, it's 
like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Like they, they feel like whatever, whatever's going to go wrong will. And so it does. It's almost, that's, that's mm. what it feels like. It, it feels like they, there's a sense of inevitability about like things not going their way. Yeah. Yeah. That it's hard to argue with any of that. I think you summed it up really well. And, um, I mean, the, the late great Bella Goatman and many after him have said, you know, the, the cycle of a great team is pretty much three years. Um, and, and Liverpool have dominated, <laughs> have destroyed European football and world football for three years. Yeah. So now in this year, they're seeing tons of injuries, unprecedented amount of, of injuries. I don't think any side would be dealing with it much better than they are. Sons, maybe like Manchester city or someone with insane depth, but right. that, I mean, Klopp, his, his personal life has been very hard um, with the loss of his mother and not being able to go to her funeral as, as everyone probably knows by now. So, yeah, I mean, this Liverpool team, they're mentally and they're physically tired, like just exhausted. And I, yeah. you can understand why I think, um, because they really gave everything for so many years, you know, yeah. and um, it's extremely hard to, de to defend a title anyway. I don't know where this like new statistic metric narrative whatever mm -hmm. you want to call it is coming from about being good like defending champions like <laughs> yeah people rarely ever win two in a row in in football except yeah. city you know right I mean, city are totally i don't even like comparing other teams to them because they're just weird like they are yeah. so not the norm <laughs> um so uh, yeah I mean, uh, uh, the thing for me, though, is like another Allison mistake. That's three now in two games, which I think is really strange. And yeah, it doesn't look like he calls out to Kabak like I've got it or, mm -hmm. you know, and so I'm inclined to say it's his fault. I mean, why? Yeah. You know? <laughs> it's just so harsh for Kabak on his debut. I mean, right. It was his debut, right? I'm not lying. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was. Yeah. So. Yeah goodness it's yeah just... and i thought he was i thought he was good otherwise it, i, th I yeah. thought it was extremely harsh on him actually um because i thought for the most part him it you know henderson uh had his moments um at center back which i think he often will but that in and of itself like kind of defines the problem where it's like i mean jordan henderson who was the player of the year in central midfield last season like he is playing at center back um, mm -hmm. Diogo Jota, who was, you know, that fresh face, like the, the bright ideas and, and kind of that fresh attacking energy is out hurt and will be for the foresee foreseeable future. Um, so yeah. yeah, I mean, everything, everything good that was happening like earlier in the season has been disrupted, um, in some way, shape or form. So, um, yeah, I think you were always likely to see some sort of fatigue, uh, especially this season from from this team that has, yeah, has sustained just an unreal level for about three seasons now. Um, two Champions League final appearances. Uh, any other any other league, they would have walked the league twice in a row. Um, right. But they finished second one of those times. Um, right. 
So yeah, they've just, I, uh, it's completely understandable, but they almost, I think they almost had the right formula to sustain it for one more year, um, with the additions they made. And it's just been, it's just been kind of blown up by, uh, well, Jordan Pickford. <laughs> um, the, uh, the question we got was from Pat. Uh, he asked, uh, Klopp resignation rumors, true or wishful thinking from the rags. Um, I mean, Klopp has answered this. I don't know if you saw this today, um, but Klopp was pretty direct about it. Um, in his press conference today, um, he, I think his exact quote, let's see. He said, uh, I'm 53. I've worked in football for a long time and I can switch off. I don't carry things around. Nobody has to worry about me. I'm full of energy. Honestly, I see it as an interesting challenge. We will sort it by playing football. We'll sort it by fighting with all we have. That's the plan. So yeah, that's, yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's wishful thinking from the rags. I mean, it would certainly give them a lot to write about and talk about, but no, I mean, him resigning would be insane. I think Klopp still has a lot to, to offer and even more insane than resignation rumors is like the Klopp out movement. Like that's some like, yeah, I don't know. That's like some all right shit. Like that's, <laughs> that is any, any, Liverpool, any Liverpool fan that is saying Klopp out at the moment, clearly never watched one minute of Roy Hodgson's tenure. <laughs> yes. Yeah. They, uh, that's just ridiculous. He's still one of the best managers in the world for me. So, yeah, I, th- I think they, I think they'll figure it out. I think this season, obviously it's become about top four, um, you know, with the way city are rolling, it's not, you know, there's no title discussions anymore. It's now like, get yeah, top four league. yeah, yeah. Um, sixth right now right Liverpool yeah sixth. yes That's down insane. to sixth and it sucks because i can't even talk about lester in this game because nothing that they did particularly like caused this it was literally like liverpool one liverpool also three <laughs> like oh, like shit. they were responsible for almost everything that happened it wasn't yeah. anything like particularly great that lester did or set out to do against against liverpool i think on another day that that game is actually a lot worse um because of the chances liverpool created but um but yeah i I don't know. I wish I had more to, you know, I would feel a lot better if I was able to come out and just praise Rogers for a job well done. And like, Hey, you know, they were the better team on the day, but they, they really weren't. They just, they, they hung in there enough to cause some chaos at the end. Right. Um, Manchester city though, roll on, um, uh, against Jose Mourinho's spurs and, uh, Spurs sink further and further into the Mourinho third season mire. <laughs> I'm right. Ru- I'm really running out of th- new things to say about either of these sides. I mean, City again, it's their title to lose. Gunduan's purple patch goes on two goals. Now that's 11 in, in 18 games, which is insane. Although I think he did go off injured with a groin injury. I don't know how serious that is, but something to think about. Um, Spurs have one win in their last five Premier League games, and that's to bottom of the table West Brom. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. And Kane is back. So I, I don't know 
what the issue is other than just shit football that Mourinho insists on playing. Um, <laughs> and uh, shout out to the new, like my new favorite phrase, modern penalties, hashtag modern yeah. penalties. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah. This game featured a amazing goal that was punctuated by a meme as well. Um, Gundogan receiving the ball over his shoulder, unbelievable touch control, the finish great. And it sent Davinson Sanchez into Mm. a Phil Jones style sprawling attempt to, to block the shot that was ultimately unsuccessful. And he actually falls on his face. Like that's not a turn of phrase. That is his face. (laughs) Went straight into the pitch. Makes I felt full so bad yeah. for him. Um, he may have, that may have been a, an instance where you use a concussion sub just out of like, <laughs> just sheer of, embarrassment. Yeah. Just out of shame. It's like, we, we got to get him out of there. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. It's uh God. Another brace for, for Gundogan is, is insane. Um, it's really kind of unbelievable that he's in this sort of form uh, with goal scoring. Um, they did actually start a striker to be fair. Gabriel Jesus uh, started. He didn't finish the game though. And Gundogan, I think gets moved into that like false nine area uh, mm. once Jesus is, is uh, subbed off. But yeah. Um yeah, crazy run, obviously, for City, and and they've put their early season woes um, behind them. Um, I was actually reading through. Um, I looked up City's loss to Leicester, 5-2, um, if, if you all will think back to September with me. Um, and there was a blurb written where basically they were like, this is a, this is a really bad sign and like indeed you know like uh city's like title challenge could be over before it starts um type thing and so for any anybody getting overly reactionary in 2021 um that was written about city this year and we all see we've all seen how it's gone since then um so yeah any sweeping generalizations about any team at this point is still like super premature <laughs> Yeah, you can't write anyone off in COVID football. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. As Manchester United found out at the Hawthorns, uh, one-one <laughs> draw, and United continued to struggle a little bit, um, sort of under the radar. I think like Liverpool are taking quite a bit of heat off of off of United at the moment. Yeah, this is a weird one. Manchester United should be beating the brakes off West Brom. I guess West beating West Brom isn't for everybody, apparently. Because <laughs> <laughs> Arsenal managed to do it yeah, in the fucking Liverpool, snow. Liverpool didn't, <laughs> yeah. that's for sure. Chelsea, I think they drew... They drew Chelsea. Yeah, they've, they've been taking points off the big boys. So, um, look, without the the... the conclusion i draw from this game i think is that without bruno Fernandes, united would be in big trouble yeah um if he picks up an injury or a knock or something or like a lengthy suspension i think they're in a world of pain because he does everything for them he's the only one that you can 
truly rely on. I mean, Anthony Martial, Marcus Rashford, Cavani sometimes, they're not consistently putting in great performances every week. And yeah. um, in this one, I, I just you couldn't really get a tune out of anyone um, for any sustained period of time, uh, all they could. So, uh, yeah. And uh, the, the Harry Maguire... Um, Victor Lindelof partnership just doesn't do it for me. I I just it's not good enough for for a club of Manchester United stature. So yeah, yeah, they drop points when they really shouldn't be. Lindelof in particular, like I mean, at fault for the goal, I think. Um, mm-hmm. Diang, like there was appeals for a foul, but I think like Lindelof is attempting to be fouled. Like, I don't think he's actually trying to play the ball. I think he is, he feels Diang like on his back a little bit. And so he's like, okay, well, I'll just go. I, I just am not really gonna compete for this. He is in front of Diang, like by all, you know, he, he has every chance to get to the ball and head it clear well before Diang is able to get to it. It just kind of allows himself to be overtaken and it was just bizarre to me. It's like, this is not what a center back, their instincts should always be to like meet the ball at that first possible moment to get it cleared. Not, not to like try to grapple with the striker and see what, see if you can get some sort of decision. Yeah, it was really odd. I, it's not, it's not something that is sustainable in the Premier League the way that his his style of play. I mean, I think he's shown his quality at times, but it's not consistent enough. And I think actually Harry Maguire needs to be someone else's number two. I think that's also the problem is that Harry Maguire's that senior partner right. in that in that Manchester United defense. He needs uh he needs someone to marshal him to be fair, in my opinion. So yeah, it's just points drop when they yeah. really shouldn't be. And um, I guess the Ole out <laughs> clan is back <laughs> um, after supporting him. So shout out to Sam Johnson for um, a great save at the death too. Cause United did almost, almost pull it out of the fire there. And um, he makes a really good save. Um, yeah. So um, so West Brom keep a hold of that one point as pointless as that point may end up being, um, yeah, <laughs> for, for that's, West Brom. that's fair. Um, the result today though, Chelsea two nil over Newcastle and uh, perhaps like an expected result, but Newcastle have actually been in, uh, I mean, maybe a little up and down, but they've gotten some decent results of late and, uh, and Chelsea looked much better um, in in this performance under Tuchel. Yeah, Chelsea were very comfortable. I don't I don't think outside of a couple of um, some maximum crosses, some some Joe Willock headers actually arriving late in the box. Other than that, Newcastle United weren't really offering too much. I thought Chelsea were pretty comfortable. Um, Timo Werner again had a plethora of chances. <laughs> Um, he does score one, to be yes. fair, but there were a lot of presentable ones that he just doesn't even get on target. Um, that I mean, it seems like he's improving um, a bit yeah. under Tuchel, and surprise, surprise, he scores and and plays very well, playing off a big man striker in Olivier Giroud, who comes on for for Tammy Abraham after he got his ankle 
caught uh, with less cells. Um, but um, I think it's getting better for Werner, but he probably should have had a hat trick in this one or at least two <laughs> goals. But he gets the one, so that's good. And uh, a clean sheet for Keparitha Balaga, who... Who would have thought? Yeah, who Tuchel is apparently bringing in from the cold, which... Yeah. May not be the worst idea in the world, given how much money Chelsea spent on Kepa. So um, that's a, that's an interesting one, and and they have yet to concede on Tuchel, except for the Rudiger own goal. So right, yeah, no stuff. opposing player has scored against them. Uh, right, <laughs> <laughs> and it's four wins in a row as well for for Tuchel. Um, and the the interesting thing as well about this, and I saw a lot, a lot being said about his decision to drop Ingolo Conte. Mm. Um, and he plays with a two essentially of Jorginho and Kovacic, which I think would have been like a straight up meme midfield under, under Frank Lampard. Um, but Kovacic <laughs> was like bossing it. Kovacic was really good. And I mean, he's, He's a good player. Um, I think the three three four three, I guess, allows. Yeah, I mean, I guess it allows him to to move forward a little bit more, and I think actually, it allows everyone to kind of play how they want to play. Yeah. <laughs> um, as opposed to Lampard kind of sticking, he stuck pretty exclusively with the four three three, which I think when you play that way, you have to have Conte in there. So. Right. Um, so yeah, the, the, the tactical setup is interesting. I, I don't know how long it lasts. I, I don't remember another time at another club that Tuchel played this system for as long as he has with, with Chelsea now, but right. I mean, it's not that, been that long, but it's been consistent since he came in. So yeah, I think it's really, it's, it's a good sign for Chelsea. I think they're like quietly just kind of going about their business. You're not hearing too, too much about, uh, Werner and Havertz or a flop. Although I have been hearing and seeing that, um, I guess Ziyech is kind of perhaps unhappy. So maybe that's something mm. to keep an eye on. Hmm. That's <laughs> interesting. Cause that uh, he could be a difference maker at a lot of clubs. Like absolutely. There's loads of teams that could really benefit from a player like Ziyech. So if he, mm-hmm. yeah, if he's unhappy at Chelsea, like, I mean, yeah. just saying maybe yeah. <laughs> we've got a spot. I don't know anybody. <laughs> uh, I just, I, I, I hate that they're depriving, uh, the world of that left foot, um, mm. at the moment, but, but yeah, a good result for Chelsea and, and the beat goes on the, the new manager bump is, is paying dividends immediately. And they're, they're back into the champions league places, uh, as it stands. Um, Burnley beat Crystal Palace three nil. Um, and I don't really have anything to say about that result aside from the fact that, did you see the quote from Patrick Bamford today about Sean Dyche and, and his stint at Burnley? No. What did he say? So Patrick Bamford, uh, said, and this is me paraphrasing cause I don't have it pulled up. Um, but Patrick Bamford said that Sean Dyche, uh, when he confronted Sean Dyche about the fact that he wasn't playing, uh, Sean Dyche cited the fact that he was quote, like born with a silver spoon in his mouth and listened to too many people outside of football. And so when Patrick Bamford asked for examples of like this behavior, like, mm-hmm. well, what have you seen me do that 
makes you say that. He's like, who did you turn up with on your first day when you signed for the club? And he said, oh, like my mom and dad. He's like, exactly. What? (laughs) That is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. (laughs) Yeah, my mom and dad drove me. I have parents, so I was bored with a silver spoon in my mouth. So much is made about that, about Patrick Bamford being like, from more an affluent background. Plenty yeah. of players are. Yeah. Alex Oxley Chamberlain, <laughs> he comes to mind. Yeah. Private schools all his life. Dad was a footballer. No one ever says that about him that I right. know of. Uh that's just one example. I just think of an Arsenal player, a former yeah. Arsenal player. Um that's bizarre. Yeah. <laughs> I was about to compliment Burnley for playing really well in this, but now I'm like, ew. <laughs> Loughton did have a really nice volley. I don't know if you saw that, but that yes. volley was insane. Great goal. He he has one of those in it like one a season. Mm. He's just gonna leather. Like Yeah. And apparently um, they were saying that he does that all the time in training or something like that. So I believe it. I believe yeah. it. He scored some like goal of the season contenders in his in his time for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Burnley with a big win over Crystal Palace. Villa and Brighton played to a nil-nil draw, which was super disappointing given how both of those teams have been playing. Yeah. Um Wolves get a win against Southampton, and this is a big win for Wolves because they've been they've been, you know, kind of struggling for goals, all this stuff. Um Danny Ings opens the scoring and it's looking like a little in the balance, like uh here we go again from a Wolves perspective, but um, m- maybe a little bit lucky with the handball call, like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know for the penalty. I, th- I think, yeah, probably, probably a little bit lucky. Neves scores though, uh, from the spot. And then Pedro Neto has a really nice goal, um, that, that gives wolves the win. And, and I think on the balance, like a deserved win, they created more chances in Southampton, um, and uh, yeah, I think a deserved three points for Wolves, which actually takes them above Southampton uh, in the table. The run for Southampton, like this barren Shocking. run continues and is just like, yeah, the the heights of, of the early season are long forgotten at this point um, as they've they've lost five in a row. Yeah, but it's this is the kind of season where you can lose five in a row and still be like pretty comfortably mid-table. Yeah, <laughs> um, but Southampton have been shocking. Yeah, and and good on Wolves because they they were able to immediately get revenge, having lost to them in the FA Cup. I think it was so. Yeah, uh, big result for Wolves who've been struggling. Um, it's, it's it. I'm I'm personally happy for them because it's it's always hard to lose your talisman and and yeah. they've got you know they've got leads next. So let's see if they can keep it up. Uh, speaking of Leeds, Arsenal with a, a, a big four, two win over Leeds United. It was looking a lot more comfortable at four nil than it ended up being. Um, but this was a good performance from Arsenal. It, it was, I think we played really well and I think the, we totally deserved to win. I, um, Obama Yang, uh, looks like his personal issues, family issues are, are behind him and he's. He scores his first Premier League hat trick, which I did not believe that was a thing. Yeah, I couldn't believe he had never scored a hat trick before in the league. So amazing, amazing stuff um, for him. Uh, Hector Bellerin also scored a really nice one, and we were just yeah. really good. I mean, Odegaard started. Um, he wasn't like super, super influential, but I mean, you can tell that the the kid is clearly very talented. His close control, 
and his his anticipation and you know eye for the run is is really good. So um, Bukayo Saka would put <laughs> put those defenders on the spin cycle. Oh my god, it was it was. <laughs> I felt bad almost, <laughs> almost oh. watching him just terrorize yeah. and brutalize uh, the likes of Alyaski. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, yeah, it was it was a really good performance. Of course, you know, we have to make it interesting by conceding two goals. And, that, and that's the thing with Leeds is they're never going to. I don't think Leeds know what the score is like. They don't give a fuck. Like they're just going to yeah. play the same way. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, they did that and they did, you know, try to. <laughs> make it interesting and they did but yeah. we hung out and so um yeah really good result yeah strike and and helder costa added the uh goals for leads but ultimately uh arsenal comfort comfortably uh run out winners in that one um fulham with a big result this weekend two nil win over everton and sunderland fans are in the absolute mud because Josh Maja, uh, who is on loan from Bordeaux at Fulham uh, for the remainder of the season, scores a brace on his debut. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Yeah, if you're a Sunderland fan, you're looking at that and you're absolutely sick. Um, Fulham were really good in this game, like dominant and just Everton were always second best. I think I think Fulham have actually been quite unlucky actually um with a lot of their results i think scott parker has this team playing a lot better than their results might suggest and they're rewarded finally in this one um maja really didn't do too much of note at bordeaux that i could tell but for him to come back home to england apparently is just just what he needed so the brace for for the debutante um and i mean we're getting to the business end of the season if fulham want any hope of staying up perhaps Perhaps they just keep giving him a run out, even though he is on loan. The the crazy stat out of this one is this is Fulham's first ever away win at Everton in the league. Wow. 28 attempts. They've never won at Goodison. That's in, that's crazy. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Um, Everton, on the other hand, uh, have lost three of their last four home home matches. Um, and that is as many defeats as they had in Carlo Ancelotti's first 17 as manager. Mm, So they are on a really rough. Yeah. Really rough run. Yeah. Um, Look, uh, West Ham, uh, played today as well, um, against Sheffield United and a really comfortable win for the hammers as they remain in the top four. <laughs> oh my God. Three nil, uh, Declan rice from the spot is Diop and, uh, Ryan Fredericks added the, added the frosting on the cake, uh, there at, to make it three nil in the 96th minute. But, um, West Ham Lingard, yo, balling yeah. out. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't he doesn't get on the score sheet, but I mean he was he was really good, one of the better players. And I think West Ham are fifth now that I think about it. Uh, yeah. I don't yeah. Um but yeah, so this I, is, I just really hope that they somehow make Europe. It can be Europa League, I'd be fine with that. But yeah. I just want to I hope they make Europe and I hope that COVID comes under control because I just want to see how and social West Ham fans can be abroad. 
Because yeah. I remember when Leicester were in the Champions League, their fans were a, a whole mess when they went over to Spain. Oh, yeah. So I just want to see how West Ham fans would be. No, yeah. These these teams <laughs> that aren't used to Europe, like their fans don't know how to act when they go, Truly. When they go abroad. It's like, Lest, I just remember Leicester fans going to Spain and like chanting in the streets, Gibraltar is ours, you bastards. Oh, like, my God. <laughs> and... It really it it's really all these like Tory ass clubs to like <laughs> Leicester, West Ham, where the you know the flying Union Jacks and all this shit where like Yeah. For real. Gibraltar is our Jesus Christ. Um so yeah, West Ham um it's their twelfth uh Premier League victory of the season, and they have forty two points from twenty-four games and only only in 1983-84 and 1985-86 have the Hammers had more points on the board at this stage of a top flight campaign. Yo, we got to put some respect on David Moyes' name. David Moyes. Like David Moyes. He, he is David Moyes now. Not David. David. He, he's David Moyes. <laughs> that just came so naturally to me. Yeah, I didn't David mean Moyes. to like say it like that. <laughs> <laughs> David Moyes. I need to put his pronunciation of... Yara Mendy on the uh, <laughs> on the soundboard on the soundboard, um, <laughs> but yeah, no. Moyes has the has the hammers flying, and uh, the Premier League table as a result uh, is pretty weird. But City on top, and the the distance is growing um, with each passing match day. They have a game in hand, um, and they're uh, already math seven points clear at the top. Um, United and Leicester city are level on 46 points in second and third, respectively, Chelsea fourth, West Ham fifth, Liverpool down to sixth, Everton in seventh, um, Aston Villa eighth level with Tottenham who are now down to ninth, uh, and Arsenal in 10th now, uh, just above, uh, Leeds who they beat. So, um, down at the bottom, um, Newcastle are sitting 17th, but still pretty comfortably clear um, of Fulham, who are 18th, and West Brom and Sheffield United are still way down there. So, um, not not a lot of help coming for for those two at the bottom, and full even Fulham's chances are looking pretty slim at this point. Yeah, which is a shame because I I do like Fulham have a small soft spot for them, but yeah, I personally think they shouldn't have come up in the first place. So uh, this true. is, this is just, uh, this is just <laughs> revenge for Brentford, um, who were, who were wronged. Uh, <laughs> but that's the premier league. Um, I, I don't think we should waste any time in getting to the real madness of this weekend, which was Syria. Yeah, Serie A went full like just nuts. The the madness began primarily with the craziest result and the manner in which it happened was also crazy. Spezia 2, AC Milan nil. This result would be stunning if it was a smash and grab and Spezia like, you know, scored from two corner kicks or something. They this was a dominant Spezia win over the leaders AC Milan in which 
AC Milan did not register a shot on target. Yeah, Spezia were about that life. Um, they were <laughs> so dominant. They Spezia fear no one, and and this has been a thing this season. I mean, they've taken a lot of teams to the brink. Uh, I mean, they just came out of that four three with Roma. Like they could have drawn that, got someone yeah. out of that. They score a lot of goals. They they don't care who you are. They're gonna play their way. Um, and yeah, they they played very well in this one. They were on the front foot from the start, and AC Milan really couldn't find any rhythm. Um, and and they looked just kind of tired, I guess, or just out of ideas. Yeah. And uh, that's a really poor result for AC Milan, who were top of the table starting to start the day. Um, but Spezia have played spoiler, <laughs> as yeah. you know, as we'll talk about with the other results. But yeah, they were really good and. Um, I think they're good for the league teams like that. Yeah. So hopefully the, the Ligurians stay up. That would be really, really cool. They're in good shape in the, in mid table as it stands, they're kind of gridlocked with a few other teams around them. But the thing that really struck me about this, about the, this win was the nature of the goals, but the really the first goal where they win the ball back in midfield, they, are storming forward, but then there's intricate like passing mm. play in the box that leads to a tap in for, uh, for majority majority. Yeah. And like, it was so elegant in the way that it came about, but it came initially from that, that press and winning the ball back in midfield and then just breaking at pace uh, forward, but having the quality and the decision-making like in the final third there, it's often where you see teams of this kind of stature falter against the bigger sides. Yeah. Um, And, and it's yeah. Calm as you like, you know, in the, in the box and then the free kick uh, routine that ends with Bastoni just leathering one in off the post. Um, It's, I watched it back like f- five or six times. Like when I was <laughs> watching the highlight, I absolutely love that goal. The curler, like, like the wrong side curler, if that makes mm. sense. Like mm-hmm. you'd expect a right footed player to curl it to that post. Yeah. But he takes it with his left and bends it the wrong way. Yeah. And, and it goes in off the post. Um, yeah. Stunning goal. And, and such a cool moment for, for a team that, like Spezia was founded in 1906, but the organization as it stands was only reformed in like 2014. Yeah. 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 Cause they, they went were, bankrupt. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah, they went bankrupt and had their, I guess you could say they're kind of a Phoenix club almost. Um, yeah. But it's, yeah, they're just incredible. They're a really cool story. And their, their coach, I think his name is Italiano. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is amazing. Um, is obviously getting a tune out of these people and, and it's great. Yeah. Vincenzo Italiano, uh, who was actually born in Karlsruhe, Germany. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. There you go. <laughs> yeah. So Matarazzo at, uh, at Stuttgart, the German speaking, Italian, not the only German speaking Italian, uh, Tedesco. Around. Yep. Tedesco as well. There's quite a few of them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, massive result, uh, not just for Spezia getting a win over the then leaders, but meanwhile, cross town enter with a massive 3-1 win over 
a Lazio team who was in like bang in form and really pushed Inter. Um, but Inter stood up and and went top uh, with the three one win. Oh, man, this is a this game is an ode to Romelu Lukaku. He was a menace. I mean he he showed all of the things that he's good at in this game, which is yeah. I mean, there's not a lot of things he's not good at, <laughs> to be fair. But I mean, two goals and an assist is is fantastic. He he takes the penalty really well, which that was a thing too about this this game was there's a lot of refereeing controversy, but actually I yeah. think all the calls end up being correct. Yeah. Um, with Hoot uh, giving up the penalty, I thought it was a sensational tackle. Uh, like first, like in you know real time, but you look back and you see he's caught Lautaro Martinez on the back of the ankle before mm-hmm. making contact with the ball. So. Lukaku, you know, gets the goal, gets a penalty. Then he uh, slams home instinctively his second, which he was onside for, and I thought he was offside. Yeah. So, again, <laughs> it was the right call. Um, and then, of course, he he absolutely just bodies Marco Porolo on the run and gets yeah. past him and then sets up um, his, his strike partner, Lautaro, for an, an open net. So, I mean, he, he ran the show, but Inter in general, we're very good. Um, Christian Eriksen, I thought, had a good game. He's kind of had, like, this redemption <laughs> with Inter. It, you know, it seems like yeah. just yesterday they were talking about, yeah, he's leaving, and, <laughs> and now he's playing quite well. Um, and, and, yeah, Lazio, they they had, you know, come into this with six straight wins, if I'm not mistaken. So yeah. you thought maybe they could you know, upset the apple cart here, but Inter have finally taken advantage of, of their uh, intercity rivals dropping points, which they had failed to do on previous occasions known for making it kind of hard on themselves. So this is a huge, huge victory for Inter. The, the, the match hinges on a moment um, shortly after Lazio get their goal. Um, Sergei Milinkovic Savage, you know, scored to make it two one. Well, I think they give it to Savage, but really it was deflected it came off in. Escalante. Off of, yeah, so Escalante's yeah. goal, I believe. Um yeah. but uh Savage takes a free kick. It deflects very luckily off of like the belt of of Escalante into yeah. the net. But immediately following that, um Marco Parolo makes a like game save or a then game saving tackle at one end or a block uh, on an inter chance. Lazio goes straight down the other end and Malinkovic Savage makes one of the passes of the season to Luis mm-hmm. Alberto, who has an unbelievable first touch, but can't quite get it out of his feet like to, yeah. to shoot um, and inter are able to clear their lines. And the third goal essentially comes like shortly after that. Um, and it was one of those moments where if Lazio, like if that pass gets the goal that it deserved <laughs> because it was just unbelievable, yeah. um, we're probably having like a very different conversation now about how Inter blew it again. Yeah. Um, but they defended well in fairness um, and they, and they primarily, I think we talked about it during the game, but, Primarily, they limited Chiro Mobile, which was such a key uh, part of of keeping Lazio under wraps. 
Yeah, I mean, Inter have incredible defenders. First of all, Skriniar, De Vrij, and Bastoni. That's it's almost unfair. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, for, it was always going to be a tough night for Immobile to go up against them. And then, really, he didn't really have consistent service um, that he's used to. So, yeah, he was he was pretty invisible, and, and not necessarily because it was his fault. It's just the ball wasn't getting to him. It wasn't reaching him in the areas that he would like to have it. And, uh, I mean, there's no real shame i think in beating this inter side i think they are on paper better uh more you know more depth more money certainly um so yeah lazio will just have to pick themselves up from this one but it's just huge 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 for the for the city title races inter are now top if i'm not mistaken so it's yeah. like wow and the milan derby is coming up like it is sunday i shall i will have no plans on sunday like that <laughs> It's that a, is what I'm watching. It is. So this is going to break your heart a little bit, but it is a 9 a.m. Eastern time kickoff. Oh, shit. So seven my time. Okay. Yeah. Well, sacrifices must be made. But Sunday, <laughs> Sunday in Syria is absolutely lit because it's a Milan Derby at 9 a.m. Eastern time. And then Adelanta Napoli at noon, Oof. like immediately following Wow. Love it. <laughs> so just like buckle up, Vibes. get your ESPN plus. Like <laughs> if you make don't sure have ESPN plus, what are you doing? Make sure you're paid up on ESPN <laughs> plus. Get them bills paid. Um, <laughs> Five ninety nine. Stop playing. <laughs> Five ninety nine a month. Um, but speaking of Napoli, um, it's been a rough stretch for them. But they were able to get one over Juve, uh, a one nil win on a Lorenzo Insigne penalty that was given by VAR. Um, we talked last week about Juve getting out of a of a game that they were dominated in with a win in their match against Roma. They were absolutely like played off the park, but they still won because Ronaldo. Um, mm, yeah. This one, Juve absolutely deserved to win and came out with the loss. So a little bit of karma at play here for, for the old lady. Maybe so. I mean, yeah, you say they deserve to win and I can see why you say that, but also the lineup by Pirlo was suspect. I mean, <laughs> why is Bernadeschi starting? He's been pretty bad for a while now. McKenny and Kulishevsky are on the bench. Perhaps yeah. they could have made a difference. Um, I think, I think you have to think about one Quadrado being injured is, is, a big deal. I mean, five assists mm -hmm. from right back for the Colombian. Um, all those things, I think, were kind of my thoughts on that. But yeah, I guess I guess they were a little bit unlucky. But um, I, I don't know. The, I don't think the title is. Hopefully, anyway, the Scudetto is not yeah. a realistic expectation for them this season because someone else just needs to win it for the good of the league. Yeah. And I, and I think, uh, the, the Milan teams are, are well placed, uh, to do so this year. We'll see, we'll see how the running goes, but, uh, the other results around, around Serie A this weekend, Bologna and Benevento played to a one, one draw Torino unable to unable to take any momentum from, mm. from their late equalizer, uh, against Lazio. Um, wait, no, who was that? That they just uh, played. Oh wait, I have it I right forget. here. 
Oh, Atalanta, Atalanta, the three. That's right. Yeah. Atalanta. Anyways, Atalanta. So they, t- they drew Genoa nil, nil because Torino only draw, um, <laughs> Roma, Roma continued their, their, you know, good run of form here or got back to winning ways. I should say, um, with a three nil win over Udinese, um, Jordan Veritu with a, with a, a brace in that one. Um, Sampdoria beat Fiorentina 2-1. Um, Qualiarella scores because, you know, what year is it? Um, He's timeless. He is. <laughs> Adelanta uh, needed a late Luis Muriel goal um, to beat to beat Cagliari. Um, and uh, Cagliari sink, sink deeper into the mire. Um and uh, Atalanta spared their blushes against uh, much lesser opposition. Mm-hmm. Um, Sassuolo uh, got a 2-1 win over Cotone. Uh, and Verona beat Parma 2-1. Um, and so where does that leave us in Serie A? You might ask. Inter Milan top. Uh, AC Milan second, a single point separating the the rivals as they head into the Milan Derby uh, this weekend. Roma uh, six points back in third, so a little bit of a gap there um, appearing. And Juve just a point back of Roma. Napoli and Atalanta uh, level on points in fifth and sixth, respectively. Uh, level with Lazio as well. So fifth, sixth, and seventh all on forty points. Um, Sassuolo, uh, Verona and Sampdoria round out the top 10. Um, and then down towards the bottom, Fiorentina has actually separated themselves a little bit. They're five points clear of Torino in 17th. Um, so Fiorentina looking a little safer these days than, than early in the season. Um, Torino 17th on 17 points. They've drawn five matches in a row. (laughs) Uh, Ridiculous. Cagliari uh, in that 18th spot, just two points behind Torino, though, um, which is really stunning and shows you Torino's the amount of Torino's draws. Torino have lost nine matches um, this season. Cagliari have lost 13, and there's only a two point gap between. <laughs> between those two teams with four more wow. losses for, for Cagliari. So uh, Parma is, is down in 19th with 13 and then Crotone bottom with 12. Um, so uh, still a, it's, it's kind of a four horse race right now um, at the bottom of Syria for that relegation uh, or for survival. Um, I think Crotone are probably doomed though, right? <laughs> yeah, Crotone, Crotone and Parma are, are looking a little rough. Um, Parma have Udinese next. Um, I'm trying to see. Parma, it doesn't look. Joshua Xerxes did uh, make the squad and was and was brought on as a substitute for Parma in their in their nice. loss uh, against Verona. So we may start to see maybe a little bit of goal scoring out of out of Parma now, <laughs> um, but still some work to be done. Um, well, we still have a little bit to go. Do you want to take a break before we head over to talk about some some La Liga? Yeah, sounds good.
Welcome back, everyone. La Liga next, Mika. And and uh, the story is the same as what it has been for most of the season in, in La Liga at the top. And that is Atleti finding ways to win, um, even when it's not necessarily easy. And Granada did not make it easy this weekend. Um, but Angel Correa with a little bit of luck from a deflection finds finds the winner um to keep yeah. Atleti uh pacing everyone at the top. Yeah, champions need luck, and Atleti is certainly getting the rubber of the green right now. I, I mean Granada fought hard at, at the Nuevo Los Carmenes, so yeah, it's two fluky goals. Um Marcos Llorente's goal, obviously, it was a nice strike, but the, the XG on that is quite low. I looked it up yeah. <laughs> just to be sure. <laughs> it is a nice strike, to be fair, but Correa's definitely takes a huge deflection, and it's it's pretty late in the game, actually. And and one thing, too, that I want to point out about Atleti in this one and in previous games as well is they, they score and then immediate, immediately concede a lot lately. Yeah. Um, and, in fact, they've not had a clean sheet in quite a while, so... You know, with this ex- more expansive style that Simeone is allowing the players to play, it's it's coming, you know, at the expense of those cleat sheets that they are famous for. But, you know, either way, they get all three points and, and you know, the champions elect find a way. So, um, yeah, good on them. Yeah, this this felt a little bit more like a like a vintage Simeone performance in that they struggled to kind of break through they get the goal, maybe not the concession, not the immediate concession. That's not like classic Simeone, but when they (laughs) get the, what proved to be the winner, eventually they drop actually really deep (laughs) to like secure the win, Um, which this Atleti side, like hasn't necessarily played that way. Um, But I think, you know, the pragmatism is needed at, at times as uh, as you try to sustain this over a whole season, especially given the nature of this season. Um, so I'll let's see. Uh, yeah. Keep keeping the pace at the top and, and keep the gap um, because Real Madrid also went out and, and won um, beating Valencia two nil Kareem Benzema and Tony Kroos, the, uh, the goal scorers in that one, a couple of nice goals too. Yeah, Benzema with a nice curler and then Kroos with his like signature on the ground curled finish into the corner. Um, Real Madrid were good, but I mean, they really didn't have to do a whole lot. Valencia were awful, like just terrible. They were the complete opposite of the vibes that their all orange kits were giving off in terms of (laughs) just like dynamism and uh, excitement. They were bad. This is one of those... uh, one of those performances that if if fans had been in the stadium, I mean, I, am, I know they're on the road, but I mean, if you know traveling fans had been there, they would certainly have felt disrespected by the way that Valencia played. They were just flat. It wasn't even like they made mistakes or anything for the goals. They're just not running. Like right. I know that's a cliche, but tr- truly they were not running. And and Valencia, there's too many good players in this Valencia side to be where they are, despite you know the well documented institutional crises at the club. But I mean, yeah. you've got. Jose Cayat, you know, Gedge, Soler, um, Ratchet. Like, you've got so many good players that you, they really should be doing better. And I guess it does fall a bit on Javi Gracia as, as the manager. So, um, yeah, back to the drawing board for Valencia because this was nothing like the last time they played Madrid. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. When you look at the names uh, for, for Valencia, you just, you just feel like, yeah, the, the sum is less than, than its parts. Like it doesn't really yeah, make sense. Exactly. Um, yeah. So certainly, certainly the club has owned some of that. Um, but yeah, a game in which, uh, <laughs> Patrick Catrone, Eunice Musa, like all, all make appearances off the bench. Uh, Kevin Gamero comes off the bench, <laughs> just like a weird assortment of names, um, <laughs> that feel like they're from different eras and different, different places. Uh, yeah. And yeah, ultimately a, a stroll in the park, uh, quite literally for, for Real Madrid, um, as they, uh, were looking to keep pace, uh, with Atleti, um, across, across La Liga though, Celta Vigo, a three, one win over Elche, um, Sevilla get a one nil win over Huesca who has made things tough on teams of late. Mm. Um, the big, the big teams anyways, uh, a bar and Valladolid played to a one, one draw, uh, Barcelona with, a, a big five, one win over Alaves and this one punctuated by a messy brace, but interesting for the Trincao brace. Yeah. He's, he's getting himself into some form, maybe becoming, undroppable do we say um again he's i highlighted last time we spoke about how he's been coming in for some criticism from the fans but it's nice to see him him you know contributing in a tangible way when perhaps your pedris are not and your ensofatis are not available so um a win as well for real sociedad one nil at hitafe not a classic match uh, by any stretch of the imagination, but Alexander Isak scores again, and he's now got six in five, and he scored in five straight for Sociedad. He's in like a hell of of a, of a, va- a good vein of goal scoring form right now. Yeah, Isak's been really, really good, and Hetafe, on the other hand, have been extremely bad and uh, so bad. <laughs> it's it's really falling apart for Pepe Bordalas. Um, you don't even again. I, you don't really see anything of that classic Atafe, where at least they're battling and fouling a lot. Like they're just really bad right now. And uh, yeah, it's a third straight league game without registering a shot on target. That is so poor for a, a top flight side. Like that's inexcusable. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm not sure where they go from from here. Uh, Osasuna with a one nil win over Levante. Um, notable result of the weekend though. Real Betis two, one win over Villarreal. That's a good result for the Beticos. I cannot watch Betis anymore because <laughs> <laughs> when I don't watch them, they win. So yeah, it's a, it's a great result though. Yeah. Nabil Fakir back on the score sheet. Um, as was Finally. Emerson who Emerson now is getting linked with, uh, like, clubs abroad i feel well i I mean that doesn't surprise me at all he's a hell of a player i think he would fit in at at any big club at city liverpool uh, united juve i mean he's he's really really good he gives you pretty much everything um in terms of what you want out of a modern fullback so yeah i don't think betis can hold on to him uh gerard moreno scored the the goal the 
what ultimately proved to be just a consolation uh, for Villarreal. That should have never been, to be honest, yeah. a, a penalty. <laughs> but yeah. Um, but yeah, that's a, a solid win. And and for Betis now, uh, you know, climbing back up the table and and Pellegrini's kind of got these guys back back at it. Yeah, he's he's turning it around a little bit. I mean, it, La Liga is so close, though, that like it, it can feel like you're doing so poorly and, and you're not really. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Uh, Pellegrini is is doing well. Athletic uh, get a, a four nil win over Cadiz and uh, dominant uh, from from Bilbao uh, and and lethal, which I think they've maybe lacked <laughs> this season to an extent. Uh, so good to see them, you know, scoring freely in a game. Yeah, Marcelino, man. I mean, we just spoke about how horrible Valencia are. I'm sure their fans are looking longingly at Athletic Club and <laughs> wondering what might have been. I mean. Yeah. Um, so that brings the La Liga table. As we said, Atleti top uh, on 54 points. Real Madrid six points or five points back, excuse me, in second. Um, but Atleti have two games in hand still. So um, over Real Madrid, uh, Barcelona third three points back of, of Madrid, but with a game in hand, uh, Sevilla, just a point back of Barcelona rail Sociedad, a, a ways off in fifth and then via rail, uh, rail Betis, Granada, Celta Vigo and athletic rounding out the top 10, um, down towards the bottom, uh, Cadiz now, well, Hatafe and Cadiz let, and Valencia all level on 24 points. Uh, and yeah, people, uh, teams as high as 12th in La Liga could be in the relegation like fight. Still <laughs> under threat. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, Cadiz uh, in 15th. Alaves 16th, just two points back of them. Abar in 17th on 21. Level on points with Valladolid ahead uh, on goal difference. Uh, Elche in 19th on 18 points and Huesca in 20th on 16. So the bottom two, I mean, it's still just three points for Elche and they have two games in hand. So <laughs> there's like a chance to pick poor. up. Yeah. 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 I don't know. It's, uh, it's, it's absolutely nuts. Um, because as <laughs> you said, yeah, I mean, even the gap from, you know, 11th, well, from 10th to 20th is 12 points. It's craziness. So, yeah. <laughs> Anyways, La Liga is, is like we said, going to remain interesting throughout, especially in the European places and then at the bottom. But um, the title race shaping up, um, and, and Barcelona and Madrid in the, to their credit have, have kind of climbed back into it. Yeah. People are starting to ask, is there a title race back on with Barca's recent surge? I, again, I still think I'd let the have to like collapse insanely for that, but, uh, keeping things interesting. League un, uh, a, a tough weekend for those wanting, a, a new champion in France. Um, mm. and for maybe some of the, some of the, yeah, the, 
the talk of a farmer's league maybe to dissipate, but we had a question from, from Darren Dupree on, on Twitter, um, who he watched the PSG nice, uh, matchup. And he said, watching my first game of French league in a while to watch Saliba, how do you rank the league versus say all the others? Um, where do you think league and falls quality wise, uh, among the top five? Hmm, uh, yeah. I mean, among the top five, I would say it's probably fifth. <laughs> um, not because Ligue 1 is bad, but just because the other leagues are much better, I guess, um, in terms of uh, the players and, and the infrastructure and the coverage um, and what have you. Um, Ligue 1, people like to throw around this Farmers League thing because PSG have walked the league for so many years, and that's fair. I mean, I think if other teams had as much money as they did, it'd be a little bit different, but you're seeing that there's a bit more parity this season given how weird the whole year has been for everyone. Right. Um, but uh, it's it's not fair, I think, to say that Ligue 1 is a Farmers League or whatever the fuck people say. It's yeah. still very much top level pros. I mean, you know, if Ligue 1 is so shit, why does everyone shop there? You know, why is yeah. it called the league of talents? <laughs> why have some of the best players in the world come from Ligue 1? Like, yeah. you know, it's, it has its own appeal in that way. They call it the league of talents and that is exactly what it is. And that's, that's why I love it. Cause you, you could watch the superstars of tomorrow in Ligue mm-hmm. 1. And, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't rate it as highly as the other leagues, but I, I still do enjoy it. Um, yeah. and, uh, I think people just need to stop turning their nose up at other things and, and, uh, you know, give, give something new a try. I mean, yeah. or, or if you don't want to, then don't express an opinion because you couldn't possibly know if you don't watch Liga. So that's right. just my little rant, Darren, but it was a good question nonetheless. Yeah. Yeah. I certainly appreciate the question. I think, I think for me, and this goes for really any, for really any league. Um, I think if you stick to, cause I know there are a lot of people who kind of exclusively watch the premier league and mm-hmm. I get that. Like I, I understand like really following one league closely and there's nothing wrong with it inherently. Right. Right. Um, however, I will say that if I'm going to watch a game and I'm sitting down and like my options are whatever West Brom Burnley and then I I'm looking through my fop mob and I'm like, oh, like Leon Montpellier. I'm going to watch that. Like, yeah. I'm not going to subject myself to, you know, Sean Dyche doing whatever he does. Like <laughs> I'm going I'm going to give myself like maybe a little something that has a little more stakes, a little more like and I mean, let's face it, maybe a little more like adventurous like tactics, a little Mm. more like flair. Um, So that's why like, I like to venture outside of outside of England or whatever, because the premier league is great and it can provide like great entertainment, just like any of these leagues. But some of the matchups are not worth it. Like if you have other options. Um, So that's, that's where I think like Ligon is amazing like you said, to watch, to watch players who will likely make a difference in, you know, some of the, the bigger, you know, leagues, quote unquote. 
Um, but also because these, these clubs, especially this year have a lot to play for, um, and, and a big opportunity. Um, unfortunately the results this week went PSG's way as PSG <laughs> get a two, one win over nice. Um, nice really pretty good in this game and a little unlucky to, to not get the win, but, uh, Julian Draxler and, and Moise Kane score for PSG. Um, either side of a, a Ronnie Lopez uh, goal for Nice, um, which, uh, yeah, he equalized in the 50th minute, but Moise Kane found the winner in the 76th. So PSG, good value for the win, but Nice definitely made it a fight, um, which is more than can be said for Nice at most times this season. Yeah, Nice were pretty good. I think PSG's quality just told on the day. I, I... I want to give credit to Pochettino for finding a way to incorporate Moisken and Maro Icardi into the same side. And actually, I thought that they complemented each other quite well. Um, Icardi set up Kane's goal, if I'm not misremembering. But either way, they combined really well. And they are both forwards, but in, in a lot of ways, they didn't really get in each other's way too much. They they just played off each other. So I, I liked that. Um but yeah, uh, you know, shout out Draxler too, getting a, a goal. It's he's kind of been on the periphery at at uh, Paris Saint Germain for a while now, which I don't know that it necessarily bothers him. <laughs> but uh, he's you know he's making a pretty penny to be on the bench. But in this one, he he starts and he scores with his only shot on target. So yeah, PSG were were good. Um, nice were not as good, and that that's just how it goes. Amin Guiri hit hit the bar. Um, mm shortly before Moise Kane scored the winner. And, and that obviously may have changed, may have changed things a little bit. If, if Guiri could have found the back of the net, uh, and, and put Nice into the lead, um, certainly, certainly would have made things interesting, but, uh, but as it, as it stood PSG, uh, get the two, one win, um, which was even bigger because meanwhile, Leon, uh, fell to Montpellier at home um, and uh, a bad loss given how good Leon has been over the last, uh, over the last couple of months. How good they've been and how good they were in this game. They created 21 <laughs> chances and somehow don't win. I I, I don't know. Um, they were definitely the more dominant side statistically speaking, but yeah. Montpellier were just, taken they took their chances um and and they're no mugs too i mean they're eighth so yeah of course yeah and and the goals uh come from Savigny and eliawahi who is actually on loan now from monaco mm. and has scored for monaco in this campaign so it was his third goal of the season but his first for montpellier there we go. <laughs> uh weird little weird little fact and it was also important for PSG to win because Lille, who are top, drew nil-nil at Stade Bressois. Yeah, this is a bad result for Lille. Um, you know, Bressois are mid-table, but I think I think we'll definitely be beating them. I mean, they had nearly 70% of the ball. I mean, yeah. that's... Come on. Um, 15 shots, like were... none on target for, yeah, that's, for Lille. That's, that's poor, especially when you've got players like Ikone, Bamba, Jonathan David in the side. I mean, it's not good. Just just an off day. I, I don't know if there's anything like 
obvious that I can say was wrong with, with the approach or anything like that. I mean, they, they did put some of their better players, I suppose, on the bench. But still, I think they had enough to beat Brestois, Stop Brestois, but just not today for Leo. The the interesting thing about looking at the looking across the results of League One, PSG were the only home side to get a win um, in this match day. Uh, wow. Every other home side either drew or lost. Um, so, an interesting uh, tidbit, I guess, out of uh, out of this League One match day, and adding fuel to the fire of uh, COVID football is tougher for the home sides. Um, yeah, exactly. Especially in a place like France where the ultras are obviously very involved and, you know, will storm your training ground um, if you're not careful. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the other results around the league, Reem and Lance played to a 1-1 draw. Monaco and Lorient uh, drew 2-2. And that actually, it looked like Lorient had grabbed a late winner. Tara Moffi had two more goals for Lorient and he continues to score at a crazy rate it looked like they might get away with it but ben yetter uh was inevitable and and 93rd minute found the equalizer for monaco um neem beat dijon uh 2-0 uh nonce i actually did we didn't get a chance to talk about nonce uh but (laughs) nonce won 3-1 and it was the first game in charge for their new manager uh Antoine Kambuari, mm-hmm. who is almost as strange of an appointment as Raymond Domenech, who they just fired because Antoine Kambuari's last stint as a manager was for Toulouse last season. He was fired uh, mid season or he was hired mid-season and fired in the same season by a Toulouse team that got relegated. Yeah, got uh, relegated, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, really odd appointment from Nantes who are trying to escape, essentially. Like, they're trying to avoid relegation. Mm. And I guess it worked because they got the 3-1 win against Angers. <laughs> Yeah, it's a good result for them. And I don't know if you saw Kumboare's, uh the clip from his uh, announcement, like, presser, where, like, one of the club, like, directors or wh- whoever was like, yeah, you know, we think Kumbuare really fits, like, what we want out of a manager. And he kind of just is, like, shrugs and is like, okay. <laughs> like, he's like, whatever. <laughs> he literally shrugs like he couldn't oh believe. Just like, all right. Like, you oh have to look God. at the clip. It's sensational. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Um, Strasbourg uh, beat Mace 2-1. Uh, San Etienne beat Stade Rene 2-0, which is actually a really big result for, for San Etienne. Mm. Um, and uh, as they, they're not in danger, but, they, but you know, they're, they're down there. Uh, and then Marseille, uh, with their all of their struggles going on um a nil nil draw in bordeaux and another red card another two red cards for marseille uh Just leonardo Bellardi and dario benedetto both sent off in this one <laughs> and about okay. two minutes apart from each or four minutes apart from each other 
Um, so they finished this one with nine men and probably lucky to escape with, with the, the nil nil. Um, yeah. Extremely. Playing a half hour with nine men. Marseille, Marseille going to Marseille. Yeah. They're they're Yeah. It's not looking great uh, for them, but, but the table as it stands, uh, PSG, obviously reaping the rewards of, of the stumbles of those around them. Lille, Still top, but but now by a single point over PSG. Um, Leon have fallen off and are two points back of PSG. Monaco, three points behind them. Rene down to fifth. Lance in sixth. Mace in seventh. Montpellier, eighth. And Marseille, ninth. And Angers, tenth. Um, down towards the bottom, Lorient uh, is just a point above the relegation playoff spot that Nance is in, um, and then Nimes and Dijon uh, down at the bottom. Um, yeah, still looking bad for for both of those clubs. But Nance, uh, we'll see how Kumbuare handles handles the job. I mean, truthfully, there are worse teams than Nance. They really should not probably be getting relegated but no yeah <laughs> the herta of of france um, yeah yeah something like that yeah uh yeah so that's uh so that's france and the big the big story this week though starting tomorrow um mm-hmm. because the football is relentless it never stops it it never gives up it just continues <laughs> um the champions league returns with the round of 16, uh, starting tomorrow. And then obviously on Wednesday, um, loads of big matchups. Uh, I think, you know, anytime you get to this stage of the competition, it's basically only big teams. Um, so the, (laughs) the, it kicks off tomorrow. The, the two matches, uh, tomorrow, um, RB Leipzig, versus Liverpool in Budapest and then Barcelona versus PSG. Um, so two, two heavyweight bouts uh, yeah. in the round of 16 right off the bat. Yeah. These are going to be really good, good matchups. And I mean, I think Barcelona PSG is obviously like the marquee one of these. Yeah. Uh, obviously the remontada comes to mind. Um, no Neymar. Uh, but Barca kind of resurgent in La Liga. So, uh, yeah, it, it's going to be fascinating. I, if you asked me a couple months ago who would win this, I would have picked PSG immediately. Um, but <laughs> now I, I'm not so sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's a – yeah, it's a – that'll be a really interesting matchup. Yeah, I would have thought PSG would 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 absolutely storm Barca given how, how in flux they've been, but – um, yeah, Barca have been pretty solid actually for the last few matches. So I guess that's the thing about Kuman's side though, is you, you don't really know which Barca you're getting. Like mm. that's the only thing PSG too, though, have been a little inconsistent under Pochettino. So it's, I mean, they've been better in the league for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but they have a couple of, you know, they've had some like tight results They're They're kind of still figuring things out tactically. It seems so, um, and missing Neymar. So yeah, really interesting, uh, matchup between it's not quite the, uh, 
like glamour bout that it would have been, uh, you know, or was at the time of the, the Remontada where it was just like two complete, um, juggernauts like going at it. Uh, so yeah, an interesting one. They're, they're a little, a little different than, than when they last met for sure. Yeah. And apparently Gerard PK might be back for this match. So that'll give Barca a boost. Um, but I mean, I say they're the marquee matchup, but Leipzig Liverpool is huge too because Nagelsmann yeah. versus Klopp. I mean, the narratives write themselves. <laughs> yeah, Nagelsmann versus Klopp is interesting too because they've met in this competition before. In the, I think we've talked about it, but the in the um, qualification or like qualifying rounds that uh, when you finished fourth back in the day, you had to play. A, a playoff, like a two-legged playoff to get in. Um, I think back so, when, when he was with Hoffenheim, right? Yeah. So he yeah. was with Hoffenheim uh, and liver. It was Liverpool's the season actually that they went to the final in Madrid um, and uh, Klopp handed young, young Nagelsmann a, a, a bit of a lesson um, across two legs because uh yeah, Julian Nagelsmann was pretty bullheaded about, uh, no pun intended, about his chances with Hoffenheim um, <laughs> in that tie against Liverpool, and kind of was like, "We're going into this with no fear," all the, all the, all that sort of stuff, and and got kind of humbled. Um, the the upside is that I think you know I think Klopp knows Nagelsmann's approach pretty well. I think the downside is that Nagelsmann has loads of motivation to turn that around, like to get one over Klopp, given given the fact that he was kind of humbled in the last matchup. So, um, and Leipzig are in good form, really coming into this like on a high, uh, and their performance in the competition up till now has been like almost you know, not, not flawless, obviously. Um, but it's been really good. (laughs) They, yeah, they've played really well this season, um, in the champions league and otherwise. So yeah, it's, it's just, uh, the timing is not great for Liverpool. (laughs) The only thing I will say is that, you know, uh, there have been a lot of moments where Klopp's gotten reactions out of the players. So anything can happen. Yeah, especially in these knockout stages, definitely. And uh, I think I think Nagelsmann will know not to be naive and, and, you know, just throw caution to the wind. This is still Liverpool. This is still, you know, having just recently won a Champions League and been to the final twice in the past three years. Like, it's this is nothing to to take lightly. So the uh, the matchups coming up um, later this week. Sevilla Dortmund and Porto Juventus not quite going to stir like the same level of of uh you know global sort of interest I guess as the as the first right. two but um the Dortmund Sevilla matchup is a, maybe a little more fraught for Dortmund than it would have seemed when they qualified for the knockouts Yes, yes. Uh, Sevilla have been pretty good in La Liga and, and Julian Lopetegui, obviously, having just won the Europa League. Um, he'll 
want to make sure that he can show his medal on the, the even bigger stage of the Champions League and, and Dortmund obviously have been kind of suspect in the league themselves. Um, I think the key really is going to be, as cliche as it sounds, like who scores first, because I think both teams, it's very important to them <laughs> um, momentum-wise. Um, I think when you have Haaland, you probably might have the edge in that department, but uh, that's that's a good one. That's a good matchup for the hipsters, for sure, like myself. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah and a chance for everybody to watch Jules Kunde, uh, who's yes. become the, the next the next big thing. Um mm-hmm and is, is being bandied about a little bit. Um, he is excellent to be fair. Yeah. Porto Porto, on the other hand, like sort of limping into this one. Um, they haven't been in the best form and neither have Juve, I guess. So <laughs> like Porto have had the unfortunate, um, fate of running into Liverpool in, in two out of these last three knockout stages. Um, and and kind of running into the buzzsaw. Um, this time they get Juve, but maybe not the same Juve that uh, they would have faced in past years. Yeah, not the same Juve and, and a, a manager in Andrea Pilo who is managing a Champions League knockout stage for the first time ever. So maybe Porto actually fancy this one, but I mean, I still probably put Juventus to go through. I mean, if they don't, that would be a disaster. So... <laughs> Well, we'll be we'll be watching those with interest for sure. I'm I'm obviously kind of bricking it about this this first leg in in Budapest <laughs> against against RB Leipzig for for Liverpool. Yeah, that that's that's going to be huge. But I mean, it's a different competition. You can get into a different mindset and maybe show something that you have not been showing the league. But I uh, see. I really like. I had a moment today. Uh, the champions league account for cbs like posted a montage of liverpool's top five uh goals from the group stage um and first this group stage feels like it took place in like 2002 like truly (laughs) it was decades ago like it feels like yeah feels like it's been forever second part is that this liverpool team with really the only the only big difference being like that Jota's not in the side absolutely cooked Atalanta in Bergamo and like I'm like where is this like what happened like what what happened to this team that just like diced up Atalanta at home (laughs) I don't I don't know Hey, there's no there's no guarantee you won't do that to RB Leipzig. I mean, Nagelsmann has shown that he can be a little too open with his tactics against better sides on paper. But True. I mean, you'd think he learned from those past encounters, but uh, it's it'll be a good one for sure. Yeah, um, I'm very nervous and uh, hopefully hopefully it's a, a nice rebound because I know Liverpool Twitter is just like on the brink right now. So <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, I think that brings us almost to the end, Mika. We've got our sounds of the season playlist, our Spotify playlist that you guys can find. Um, if you search hardcore football or sounds of the season, you can find it on Spotify and follow, um, all kinds of different rock and like alternative metal, hardcore, whatever. Um, 
it's hardcore football after all. And, uh, we add two songs each week. So Mika, what, uh, what two songs do you have for us, uh, for the pocket or for the uh, playlist? Yeah. So I've gone with a song called roses by awaken. I am, uh, <laughs> just shout out to the departing, uh, Gladback manager. I'm just still really pissed about it, but I'll get over it. Um, that's just my on the nose one. And then I, I want to throw in a little bit more like hardcore punk on the playlist. So I've gone with wake the dead by comeback kid. Just a really good catchy song. Nice. Um, and yeah, those are my two additions. What about you, Phil? I like it. Yeah. I, uh, I went with, um, I went more metal in mine, um, or like metalcore, whatever you want to say. Um, but my first is, uh, by a band called fit for a king and it's a song called shadows and echoes um and it doesn't tie into anything like necessarily i just really like this song <laughs> i just like it's really catchy and yeah it's just great um i've put in a lot of songs on the playlist that have no relation to anything they're just jams so yeah. it's all good <laughs> um and then I also went with a rose with a rose reference uh, with <laughs> August Burns Red uh, and their their song Too Late for Roses. Um, hey. Yeah. So shout out Marco Rosa, except like the opposite of a shout out um, going to a direct rival. It's kind of crappy trash. So, yeah, that is. Uh, yeah. So those are my additions. I think the playlist is now like. <laughs> like four hours long. It's approaching like five hours. It's like four and a half hours. <laughs> yeah. So, um, just, just, uh, as, as a work, uh, seminar that I sat in last week as a, as one of the presenters said, meaty content. Ew. <laughs> I don't like that. I don't like that at all. Uh, it's taken out of context, but I literally had to shut my camera off because I was laughing. I was laughing so hard. I had to shut my camera off. Cause yeah. Oh like, God. That's awful. She's like, yeah, you know, it's been a good, good couple of days and some just really, I, you know, she was trying to get at the fact that like we had covered a lot. But and, meaty though. Yeah. Just meaty God. content. Jesus. <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> uh, but that, yeah, that should bring us about to the end. So hopefully you guys have enjoyed, uh, as we said at the top of the podcast, we just really appreciate um, your listening. And, and if you can follow, subscribe, whatever the deal is on whatever platform you listen on, um, please do. You can follow us on Twitter at HXC football. Um, and we tweet along with a lot of games. We make a lot of jokes. We have some insights and, uh, yeah. <laughs> so follow along there. And we also post all the episodes there. If you ever, if you ever miss one, a notification on your app of choice, then you'll see it on Twitter for sure. So, um, yeah, with all that being said, hopefully everyone is staying safe and well, and just, you know, hanging in there through the blizzards, uh, the various winter, winter events around, <laughs> around the country. Uh, yeah. Stay warm and talk to you next time. See ya.
All right. Cool. Just got to get this chopped up and 